Hi, I'm Eric, also known as v 47 from the Ranger Command Power Hour and the Starfleet Escape Podcast. You're listening to another great Four-Eyed Radio product. For more shows, check out foureyedradio.com. It's morphin' time! Starfleet Escape Podcast. Prepare for launch in 3, 2, 1. Enjoy the ride. Welcome to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where we escape into the Star Trek universe. This is episode number 41, and is being recorded on June 13th, 2014. Today's topic, all good things. I'm Aaron. And I'm Clive. This episode is brought to you by Raven Designs, illustrations and designs that fit your personality. For samples and inquiries, visit ravencruise.com. So today's episode, we have a treat for you. We have our good friend Clive with us here from uh, some kind of Star Trek. Yep. Um, yeah. So this is this is a, a first that we've been trying to do for a while now, probably over a year. And really great to be on with you guys. Well, just with yourself, Aaron, today uh, to talk about all good things. And it would be awesome if you could just go over a little bit about what you do on your website. Yeah, so we started about 18 months ago uh, as a, a, a Star Trek blog designed to talk about various topics. I actually started it as an episode review site mm-hmm. because I was watching TNG back. thought that I would just talk about topics that I found interested in the episodes. And then, it, then it evolved into a few reviews from Simon & Schuster, into materials that Haynes were putting out at the time. Then it evolved into some products. Then it evolved into topics that we thought were different. And we're just trying to give a, a different angle on the Star Trek universe, as, as you guys do with, with the podcast. Right. To look at topics in a different way and try not to be kind of routine and just talk about everything that everybody else is talking about. Mm-hmm. And that's awesome. where we are at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Still going. Besides all good things, have you watched any other Star Trek or sci-fi shows recently? Recently, ironically, I've just finished watching a repeat of Doctor Who, uh, Christopher Eccleston episode, so I can take that one. But I've, I've watched Babylon 5, Battlestar... Uh, Doctor Who, uh, that kind of that kind of stuff has is, is been where I've been. Um, I watched mm-hmm. things going back a few years. There was a sort of techie sci-fi kind of show called Bugs that BBC did, which you may or may not have heard of. No. Um, and there's loads of other kind of BBC stuff that, that we've watched over here that you may not have hit on. But um, yes, yeah, so sci-fi has been quite a big part. Trek probably more than anything, uh, which has, has sort of overtaken my life since I think I was yay big. And when uh-huh. I'm yay about... Not even thought of, I think. Um, and it's, it's gone from there. It just kept mm-hmm. going. Any stuff that you've been working on for your website that you'd like to share before we head into the news? Ooh, um, the big one at the moment that has we keep doing kind of every, every month is the Eagle Moss Starships collection, uh-huh. which has been fantastic. And the last piece we did was on the Krenim Temporal Weapon Ship and the Nebula class, which I've got to say have probably been the two of the best produce models that they've done. I'm not sure how far you are behind us. I think you're probably up to the Vorture attack cruiser somewhere around that Enterprise E. Mm-hmm. I think it's probably where you guys are, which is two behind. Um, yeah, the the last two, the Nebula class, was, was stunning. Mine might have fallen off a shelf and I might have had to glue it back together. Oh. We'll gloss over that. But they do go back to really... When you put them back together, they're brilliant. Uh, and the 
the, the current workmanship is, is superb. So we've been working on that. We've been working on some bits to do with Axanar, which we will touch on, I'm thinking, a bit later on, so I can bring some of that in. Uh, okay. But there's, there's a whole load of other stuff that we did at the moment that I, I just want to keep as a surprise more than anything. So much okay. to you read, if nobody else. <laughs> mm-hmm. Nice. So let's head into the news here. The Reading Rainbow Kickstarter campaign reached $1 million, their goal, in 12 hours. And since then, they've set a new goal for $5 million before the campaign ends. So, actually, was Reading Rainbow a show that you watched in the UK? No, it wasn't something that I was aware of, really, until I started following LeVar Burton on Twitter. Okay. And then I kind of found out that he did this thing called Reading Rainbow, which was about... I'm not sure you have to explain it to me, because it's maybe not a Brit thing. Um, so I understand, is it, is it kind of a reading project where... Uh, I'm not sure. Oh, jeez. It's been a long time since I watched Reading Rainbow. <laughs> <laughs> I would hope so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so you've heard of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood and stuff like that. I'm just going to give you a blank look there um, <laughs> and go, no, no. So it's something, again, it's, see, for no. us it would have been things like, um, we had, I'm trying to think now, um, things like Roger Red Hat and, and, and Spot and things like that. We kind of very basic stuff. So is it kind of that level where it's, it's reading books and he reads them to people? Yeah, pr- it pretty much. He's, he's like reading a book and they'll pan in on the pages and then they'll talk about various things that, are related in the book, like if they're talking about going to the circus, maybe he'll be at a circus. All right, this is completely different. Then that's nothing like we had in, in the UK. We had we were we had chalk and and that was about it and rough paper. No, that sounds a lot more than we had. <laughs> I see. <laughs> so no, completely different. I understand from what I've seen about this that he's got some of the TNG cast might be helping do some of the readings as well. Right. I think from what I've seen in the last couple of days, I don't know if you, if that's something you you caught up on. Right, I haven't really uh, seen any of the more recent news about it, but I saw there was a, a tag, uh, a hashtag on Twitter about Star Trek lit for kids. I've missed people, that one. I've shocked it a lot. People were uh, coming up with Star Trek-related titles for books that you know <laughs> don't really exist. I came up with one called The Trouble with Toilet Training, No Bath, Let's. <laughs> That's good. I haven't uh, really seen many of the other ones, but uh, right, okay, I get it. I, I'd say it's, it's a kind of a uh, an audio book series, effectively. I'm probably still going to get loads of people telling me that I'm completely wrong, but I guess it's, <laughs> it's kind of he reads them and then the background's there and, and then interaction and, and explains the story and tells a, a piece through. Okay, right. Yeah. Right. It, we should we should find a YouTube clip and and watch that sometime. Okay, I'll hold <laughs> you to that. <laughs> they actually did one on the Next Generation set back in oh. the I guess late eighty late eighties early nineties. It was with the collar, so whatever whenever they introduced the collar. 80, Eighty nine. That would have been. Yeah, so season three. Yeah, yeah. Around then. Uh, so okay. cool. Moving on, Kickstarter campaigns seem to be the big thing right now. Yes. <laughs> so next up, the Hollywood Sci-Fi Museum Kickstarter campaign, as of this recording, is about $30,000 shy of their funding goal. We really hope to see them reach their goal, which we'll know by Monday. If they've done it. If they've done wow. it. When this podcast goes out that day, 
what was the goal for? What was that? Was that just uh, to get the project kind of off the ground or to get the yeah, site? I, they want uh, to like build a at a location in in Hollywood, uh, yeah. and I think it's eighty three thousand dollars that they're looking to raise. Quite a substantial amount of money. Well, um, that's quite a lot. Yeah, that is quite a lot of money. I know that I've seen some of the shots of what they're looking to do with it. Uh, mm-hmm. with the ships that they've got in there and the cars haul and the costumes and it. it looks like a phenomenal project which would probably be an excuse for me to come across uh, if I had any cash to do that kind of trip uh, right. but yeah it looks it looks brilliant but it's saying Kickstarter projects at the moment seem to be all the rage so I'm thinking of just starting one off just so I can I can do a couple of bits here on the house uh, because it seems mm-hmm. to be the thing to do at the moment for everybody seems to be doing it as we'll, we'll see in a minute <laughs> right next Star Trek Phase 2 was able to surpass their Kickstarter goal of $10,000 and reached a total of $64,917 with 1,093 backers. Yeah. Um, Kickstart now. Phase two, phase two. And as we know, this month, Star Trek Continues will be debuting their third episode, which is mm-hmm. uh, the fairest of them all, which is their Mirror Universe episode. Wow, somebody's mm-hmm. done fan-funded Mary Universe episode. Amazing. <laughs> but what can we say about Phase 2? I love Phase 2. I think the work that they've put in since it started, since the, that very first episode 10 years ago, 11 years ago now, is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. And it came to, it took them four years to get Katumba on the air, which was premiered on New Year's Day this okay. year. So it mm-hmm. took them four years to get there. A lot of work, a lot of horrible things going on in the background between them and, and other fan series who we may have mentioned just, just shortly earlier. Mm-hmm. But they've moved studios, so they've had to use a Kickstarter project to give them funds, plus they needed to finish off... I've got to get this right. They're, what was really weird was that they wanted to finish off the episode of The Holiest Thing, which was due to launch on the 14th of February. So right. they knew they must have known before that date that they weren't going to finish it, and now mm-hmm. the day they told everybody that it wasn't finished, and now it's now we are in June. We're still waiting to see the result of that. Right. So they've had a Kickstarter project for the funds to finish off the colour project. I think the, some colour work on it, and then we've also got funds in there which are going to be going towards Mind Sifter and are going to be going towards Bread and Savagery. I think from memory, so I may get quoted wrong on that. But it just seems that that we've got continues that are pumping out a quite a fair rate and good quality right. as well. Right. Really good quality. And then we've got Phase 2 who seem to be really struggling at the moment, but yet can, can hit a Kickstarter goal. It's, mm-hmm. a, it's an odd situation. I'm not sure what your sort of take is on is on the Phase 2 continue situation, which we seem to be getting quite a lot of this year. Right. I I don't know. I Honestly, my faith in Phase 2 isn't really there compared to Continues. Okay. I feel like I've been let down a lot <laughs> by Phase 2. Yeah. And I actually... I missed uh, Kintu- 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 oh, wow. if Kintumba. Kintumba. For those people that listen to the podcast, they know I can't pronounce anything. So, <laughs> uh, yeah, so that I, I actually totally missed that. I'm going to have to look on their website again. It's, um, it's worth a look. It's if you, I don't know how much you know about the Vic McNugna. Now, now, I've probably pronounced that completely wrong, so that's fine. I can join your club. He <laughs> was in it as the Klingon in that episode mm-hmm. and I think there was some there's a lot of sort of background wranglings that I think if we get into them that you and I will probably get horrifically sued if we discuss them to any further levels mm-hmm. but yeah I, I think a lot of fans have been I, I did a piece on 
some kind of Star Trek about Phase 2 and why you should actually be watching it. And the mm-hmm. feedback that I got from a lot of communities was, you know what, we've been let down a lot by the quality uh, and the time it's taken them to produce the episodes. Well, how come everybody else can seem to produce something that's really good in a much shorter period of time? Right. So it's it's not been the greatest period of time for Phase 2, but continues. I think Lalani was a was stunning uh, and I take some back of some of the stuff that I said in the review because I actually think now on a, on a rewatch, it's it's a beautiful piece. Right, I agree. I still give Phase Two a chance if they come up with some decent. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 totally. I mean, we're in a lull right now. All we have are the JJ movies to go on, and we desperately need a a series, I believe. Oh, that's and... another topic. That's another topic. <laughs> talking Larry, you're talking Larry Nemchek territory there, and CBS, yeah. and that's a whole. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that blew up. Yeah, that was that was interesting. Um, these web fan based productions are basically our lifeline to Star Trek until we have another, hopefully, seven year television run of a Star Trek series. Yeah, totally, totally. So next up, Star Trek's Universal Translator seems to be closer to reality with. Microsoft, as they showed a real-time voice-to-voice translation software, which the service will be used with Skype, and it looks like it'll expand beyond Skype eventually. This is the one where they did a translation of German to right. English from memory, mm-hmm. right? and it was real-time, and it literally just translated it as the guy was, was speaking. So that's all I've seen of it. I've got to say, I've not really looked into it any more detail. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it looks... Brilliant. So warp drive and transporters are literally seconds away, I guess. Um, right around the corner. Great news. Absolutely right around the corner. Uh, in fact, i am just got one in my shed at the moment, a warp drive, just about to be completed. I'm just missing a bit of dilithium, uh, and then it'll be completed, which will be great. But yeah, it's 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 brilliant that, tra- that technology is moving on at such a, a fast rate at the moment that we are starting to get the harder elements to produce of the Star Trek universe. So we're starting mm-hmm. to see, as you say, things like trans- tricorders uh, at the earlier in the, st- the year, and now we're starting to see these things like this, this um, translator, which is just phenomenal stuff. Exactly. Next, uh, hopefully we'll be able to talk to Klingons next. Someone must have wrote some, that into you. Some, some people might still might already be talking to Klingons. But anyway, let's... <laughs> uh, so, so moving on, we have uh, yeah, Jonathan, <laughs> Jonathan Frakes is going to be directing several episodes of The Librarians, a revival of the Librarian movie series on the network TNT, and it's set to debut later this year. Yeah, Jonathan Frakes, uh, great director, as we know. He's directed uh, numerous episodes on TV. I looked at, he's re- directed a lot more than I, I realised. He'd even directed Star Trek Klingon, the computer game. Oh, really? Yeah, I ah. didn't realise that myself. I, I actually had that, and it was brilliant. And it had J.J. Hertzler in it, and it had Robert O'Reilly in it. And if you can still find any clips of it on the internet, it's mm-hmm. great to watch it back. And it came with, coming back to the translator, it came with a Klingon language CD which you could talk to if you had a microphone, and it uh-huh. would translate. You could vocalize the Klingon language, and only one of my uh-huh. friends could actually do it 100% correct. But that's for another day. So <laughs> I looked at this. So the librarians, from what I understand on this one, it's not something that we've seen in the UK. It's okay. a kind of cross between National Treasure and Indiana Jones, effectively. Right. Right. And it's got Noah Wiley was in it in the mm-hmm. two, three movies that were made 
in the sort of first decade of the, the 2000s. So Jonathan Frakes is going to be doing it, which is fantastic news. I know he's been doing quite a lot recently. He's done an episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., the eighth one of the first series. He directed that uh, as well. So he's still quite active in the in the directive field, which is brilliant. Uh, but yeah, good good news. Uh, I don't know if it's it's a massive story, but it's great to know that he's still out there and at least he's keeping Patrick Stewart honest by doing some <laughs> stuff that keeps all the attention off his Twitter account. Right. I don't have TNT, so I won't probably won't be watching this. Hopefully, they're good episodes. Hopefully, uh, it lasts more than half a season as well. Because I know these kind of things uh, tend to get ha- get axed after about thirteen episodes, and they become collector's items, and we all buy them on DVD. Yeah. Right. <laughs> Next, we have Benedict uh, Cumberbatch, who will be replacing Guy Pearce in the Black Mass movie, playing Billy Bulger, Whitey Bulger's brother. Yeah, I heard about this one. Um, I'm never sure how to pronounce your surname. I think it's Cumberbatch, but that's possibly my Englishness coming out completely. I, I have no idea how I pronounce his name. <laughs> that's me being totally English and jolly, jolly good. Benedict Cumberbatch. Um, so Guy Pearce, uh, quite a big name in movies, started out soaps in Australia, believe it or not. Hmm. So, yeah, I'm, I'm not sure really on the story in this one. I don't know if you know much more details on why Guy Pearce quit or, or what. Black Mass is about. I, I, I know that this is happening, but I didn't really know any about the, the background of it, if you know anything more. Uh, I don't know why Guy Pierce isn't in it anymore, but Black Mass is a, a movie about a, a mobster, actually from my hometown of South Boston, Massachusetts. He's been on the FBI Most Wanted list up until recently for about... Uh, maybe 20 years he's been on the run. He was finally caught a few years ago, and now they're making it into a movie. Okay. Uh, so okay. I, I believe, I want to say this is the one with, I think they're making a, a, a few of these, but I think this is the one with, uh, who is Edward Scissorhands there? Um, Johnny Depp. Johnny Depp, yeah. Johnny Depp, I believe, is playing Whitey Bulger. Okay, okay. I know in the sort of baddie line as well, if we're going to sort of Star Trek movie baddie territory, that Tom Hardy mm-hmm. uh, from Nemesis, uh, right. Dark Knight Rises, he is going to be doing something along those kind of lines. He's going to be playing both the Cray twins. I don't know if you've heard of the Crays. They were quite big gangsters in London in the mm-hmm. 1960s. Um, they, he's actually going to be playing both the twins okay. in the film, so which is going to be really cool to see how they're going to do that. But that was actually out today. I think there were a couple of shots of him playing both the brothers, the twins, on Twitter. Uh, so that's just one of the little things that, that he's been doing recently as well. Oh, very cool, very cool. Speaking of tricorders from uh, <laughs> uh, CBS, the XPRIZE Foundation, and Qualcomm, I think I'm pronouncing that right, I'll have announced <laughs> have announced a $10 million competition to create a real medical tricorder. Well, we've just kind of covered this one as well, haven't we? Um, right. Yeah, medical tricorder. It's I know it's been something that's been in the works for a while. So mm-hmm. I think we saw some of this at the end of last year that they were advancing this technology. It's great if it works. Absolutely fantastic. Right. Which means then that surely the medical case that Crusher got as well is is close behind. Uh, and then we'll have a whole <laughs> right. sick bay and then it's then we're talking medical holograms and we're just we're just into a whole different Whoa. universe there. <laughs> I mean I don't know how 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 big is this thing? Is it is it kind of handheld or is it what what, what um, specific things it can do? Uh, I'm not exactly sure. I think it's they want multiple companies to try to design the tricorder. Yeah. So I'm not sure 
how big it would be. For me, what I would like to see are cell phone attachments, which would work with, uh, say, an iPhone or an Android device that you would attach to it and use that as your medical tricorder. Similar to a regular tricorder in, Star- in TNG, where they have that extended little bit yeah. uh, that goes on, uh, something similar to that. That's that's yeah. my vision of a medical tricorder. That's cool. We've got to go through the big box though first. We can't just go to the little handheld one. You've got uh, the big black box, and then you get true. your little. But you've got to wait hundred years. I have I have the medical uh, oh. uh, McCoy's medical tricorder over there somewhere. Oh. Yes, so. show me that lights one. <laughs> Well, I will. Uh, it's it's not it's not like a, a uh, official prop. It's uh, the Playmates version, I believe. That, that's fine. I've got a Playmates phaser. We can we can we can we can deal with. Oh, that. I have that as well. I have a whole collection over there of of little toys. That's just a whole evening of discussion just on that. <laughs> Definitely. This next story I found a little uh, amusing. So there's a change.org uh, petition to remove the J.J. Abrams Star Trek films from canon. Uh, just like out, big outtake of breath, big <laughs> sigh. Let's, guys, let's, let's, it's, this is almost getting to the level of Star Wars versus Trek, whole <laughs> level of, look, let's just peace out on it, because <laughs> whether we like it or not, and Gene Roddenberry himself said this, if anybody's watched the Rod Roddenberry documentary mm-hmm. where he's, he talks to JJ and shows him some footage which says that Gene Rodney effectively says you know what I'm really happy if somebody takes this on in the future and does their own take on it mm-hmm. so he's only doing what the guy who created it said to do yes there are its issues yes there is problems but we, do we need to get rid of it from canon no we don't it's in the alternative timeline so we can do whatever he wants to do it's not going to affect the prime line that we all love Mm-hmm. Let's just have some. We know. We know. I think this goes. This kind of nicely links into what we were talking about—the CBS series and the Netflix thing—is that if there is going to be a new series, it's going to be in that timeline, whether we like it or not. Robert Orkey is going to be involved with that TV series. It's. It's. it's I would put money on it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, that Orkey's going to be involved. Doing a petition to get it struck from the canon. This is as. But this is really kind of as good as people saying it is or it isn't, and it's that whole debate, and it's just not worth it. There you go. Right. I really right. stuck my stuck my flag in that one. <laughs> <laughs> no, <laughs> where where do you stand? Yeah, do you stand on that? Do you think that just you know we should just get on? And yeah, uh, ju- just move on. I mean, it's. I mean, quite frankly, it's 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 not real. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> so just keep going. Watch reruns of other shows. You know what? Rewatch. If you if you're not happy with JJ, go ahead and watch. The original series, Next Generation, Deep Space Nine, Voyager. I'm not yeah. a big fan of Voyager, but go ahead and watch it. I didn't and gather. I've not, I've not gathered you're not a big fan of Voyager. I've never, <laughs> never got that hit. <laughs> uh, and um, what's the other one? Enterprise. So uh, go ahead, watch those. Watch the yeah. web series, the the fan produced series like Axnar and Renegades. Uh, um, I have high hopes for Renegades. Yeah, we should talk about that, actually. Actually, just when we get on, there's a couple of bits you've got coming up. But, yeah, I mean, I, I think you've got to be realistic that we're not going to get anything in the Prime Universe for a long time, if ever again. Mm-hmm. It is going to be more action-orientated. It is going to be aimed more at the current audience. The modern audience wants things that are more bite-sized. That's the way things have gone with social media, with mm-hmm. the films, with the series. And 
there is no way we're going to get back to that that feel that we got from the golden age of Trek, probably in the nineties uh, from from TNG and, and Deep Space Nine. Let's just enjoy it. I've done a couple of pieces and on the, on the blog talking about the fact that it was the first and the first anniversary and the fifth anniversary of the 2009 movie and the Into Darkness. And actually, you know what? They were good films if you look at them in, in particular ways. And that's what we've got to look at as they are part of the universe. Even the game is canon. Even the game is oh, considered canon. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> hey, you can get that game now for £8 on Amazon. I suspect if I wait long enough, Amazon will pay me to take it off their hands. <laughs> so I'm, I'm waiting for that point. Uh, so I have that game, and I've played it straight through. I'm actually still playing multiplayer with Eric. It's been probably over a year uh, since we've we actually played together, though. Playing multiplayer in the ga- with the game, with someone else, yep. the game's awesome. Yeah. But playing by yourself, the AI in the game is terrible, and that's all I'll say about that. That's that one. We'll move on from that one. But yes, uh, what's what's your kind of take on on the the JJ versus everything? I mean, do you, yeah, what's your sort of general feel on on the JJ universe? Do you think it's got a good future? Do you think that we have to accept it that that's the way forward? I, I think we do have to accept it. The visuals, I mean, the visuals alone are leaps and bounds over the visuals from the regular Prime timeline. And I think people really, really like that. And I think it's going to stay. Yeah. And like you said, people like action. And I think that you won't see in the movies anyway something really thought-provoking. You would have to wait for a TV series for something that's thought-provoking. And I think we'll see that in a J.J. Universe television series. Because if, if I actually think about it, we haven't really seen that much character development. We've only seen four hours, effectively, of these characters that they've created for the spin-off, for this, mm-hmm. this universe. And if we have a TV series, you can start to introduce those recurring themes. You can develop the characters further. We look at look at where Worf started and ended at the end of DS9, how they evolved the characters of, even over that kind of period. So, yeah, we... we Let's just accept it. Just just close the site down and get on with life. <laughs> it's not real. It's just a TV. Get, get a life. It's just a TV series. <laughs> there you go. Just a TV series. Shatner yeah. got something right, I guess. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So moving on, Patrick Stewart will be featured in a documentary about Twitter. And this is set to premiere later this year in Cannes, France. Cannes. Cans, Cans, uh, France. It's the Wrath of Cans. <laughs> Indeed. Yes, I've got it in. I've got the jacket. Sorry. Laughing <laughs> <laughs> at my own jokes is really bad. Yeah, he's at it again. He's really not very much off the screen or off social media, is he? Very omnipresent with Syria. Doing a lot. And yeah, I guess he and probably somebody, I don't know if you know somebody called Stephen Fry. He's a UK TV presenter slash comedian. Okay. Um, he used to be part of a, a comedy double act with Hugh Laurie, who you'll know from House. Okay, I he, there was like a TV series back in the day with them. Fry and Laurie. Okay, there I watched it on uh, on I believe Brilliant. it's on Netflix. Brilliant. Um, so I'm guessing there'll be people like that involved in the Twitter, but but Patrick Stewart on Twitter, I think the pictures that he's been doing with Isirian McKellen, the yeah. whole kind of wedding thing and everything, has, has really brought him to the fore. He's actually just done in the UK a concert to mark the 17th anniversary of D-Day. Topical. Here we go. Mm-hmm. So he did a. He was portraying Winston Churchill. It was an audio recording. It was done at the Albert Hall, from memory. 
uh, and that was recorded last week, I think it was. Um, and he did that with I think Catherine Jenkins, but he was he was patron Winston Churchill, so he's he's really kind of very much in the public eye, and he's doing X Men, and he's I think kind of he's been very lucky that he's not been typecast into that. He says being the being the leader of a group of people of yeah in the future. <laughs> no, he's not been typecast into that kind of role at all. Um, having done it twice, effectively. But yeah, I, I, it's great to it's great to see him involved with that. Great to see him involved. Yeah, definitely. And finally, in the news here, Prelude to Axanar's first trailer debuted to the public this week. This History Channel documentary-style production leads up to their full-length movie. Your thoughts on the trailer? Ah, uh, this is a good intake of breath this time. And <laughs> I... I've watched it a couple of times. I'm currently putting a piece together which will be going on to the blog hopefully this weekend mm-hmm. talking about the trailer. And also there's a very, very short sneak peek documentary they did. piece kind of behind the scenes which showed them just putting the, the, the prelude together. So mm-hmm. they raised the money for the prelude so quickly. It was scary. And I don't think they even they even know. I think when I talked to, to Alec, they, were, they didn't over the email they didn't really know how fast that was going to happen. And then they hit their, their sort of their step, their, 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 their goal, and then they hit the advanced goal, and then they kept going and going and going, and suddenly they had all the money they wanted, made the prelude, and it just looks phenomenal. I absolutely yeah, love it. it. It's just a beautiful piece of work. Um, the CGI of the ships is gorgeous. Mm-hmm. The way they've done it as a documentary, the lighting, the backgrounds, you can't even tell that they're CGI. It, I was just blown away. I was absolutely blown away. I didn't think they could do something that would look that good. Right, it looks However, like a like a official production. Yeah, absolutely. It, it's got a feel of a bit of a feeling the lighting in the set of Battlestar. If you watch if, if, if anybody's seen Blood and Chrome, there's been a couple of these Trek fan productions at the moment that have gone around that kind of lighting effect with the CGI and Horizon's done exactly kind of the same thing but you get this feel that it's it's very similar to to, to Battlestar Galactica's Blood and Cry which is not a bad thing because that was a really nice little web series mm-hmm. but I loved the way they've done it and they've talked to they've got Richard Hatch in there you've got J.G. Hertzler you've got Kate Vernon in there Tony Todd just Tony Hodd just annihilating scenery uh, and CGI yeah. with that voice, and he is it. I don't know if you've ever met Tony Todd. He's one of the very few Trek guys no, I've met. Had no, he's oh, really, that's awesome. Really, he's really, really tall, and he's quite a big, big guy. But uh-huh. he's really nice, and and just one of one of Trek's great recurring actors, along with JJ Hertzler. Just mm-hmm. great to see in that trailer. I, I, I don't know what your what are your sort of thoughts on on that one. How have you sort of found it? I thought it was amazing. <laughs> I was I was definitely blown away with it. I don't know what I was expecting, <laughs> to mm. be honest. I was comparing it to other web series that I've seen, like Continues and... Exeter and things like that, I'm guessing. Exeter and Farragut. Oh, yeah, yes, yes, there you go. Comparing it to those, thinking... Because a lot of these fan productions are set in the TOS era because it's so cheap to produce sets, and this was extraordinary compared to those sets that look from you know the 1960s looking yeah. sets. Comparing it to this, I was like, 
mind exploded. No, absolutely. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't believe what I was... I really, really, really hope this isn't just a little one-off and that this is a great sign of what the prelude is going to be as a whole mm-hmm. and then what the full movie is because we haven't even got the Kickstarter. Kickstarter again. We haven't right. even got that Kickstarter project started for the full movie yet. So we know mm-hmm. that's still to come. And I'm just my, my one little concern is that people have put so much money into the Kickstarter campaign for the prelude mm-hmm. that they may not put a lot of money into the main film. It may take longer to get there. That said, mm-hmm. I think the quality that they've shown in the prelude may guarantee that they're going to get a lot of funds for this. And it's right. going to absolutely kill everything. Because I know the only time I really see CGI in series that are set in that original time frame is... Well, actually, you don't. The, the usual time you see CGI is if they're setting it in the TNG, DS9, mm-hmm. uh, Star Trek Online kind of era, which see Dark Armada, things like that, that they use a lot of CGI backgrounds. And I'm not I'm not a great fan yeah, of that, I agree. that work. I agree. But this just... just wave hands around in idiotic gesture <laughs> to show that it's amazing. There you go. Mm-hmm. No, I agree. And I especially liked uh, the phaser cannons on the ships. Very Kelvin-like, yes. which when we talked to Alec uh, months uh, wow, it's been a few months, quite a few months yeah. ago, he's placing the USS Calvin in the prime timeline as the divergence from JJ's universe. So the Kelvin and ships slightly prior should be in the prime timeline. Yeah. So there you go, and that kind of allows him to have these gorgeous ships in the show. So we see in the trailer there are four types of Starfleet vessel. So there's the Ares, and there are three others, which we see in literally one shot, I think, is after Cape Vernon speaking. So we don't know what those names, those classes are, but they we also see the Klingon D6 cruisers, and there's a beautiful shot of a D6 coming across the skyline, uh, which is just phenomenal to see. But it's great. The, the, the detail on the ships is, is beautiful. The trailer is great. If you've not seen it, you have to go and see that trailer. Just get on YouTube, after you've listened to this, of course, right. and then go and watch the, the, the trailer through. It's, it's brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Mm-hmm. Oh, just a, another point. I yeah. just thought about this, but we don't see the Enterprise in there, and I know the trailer talks about the Battlecruisers in the fleet, and I'm guessing that's something we'll see in the in the full action movie. But we don't see it here. We see all the other ships apart from the Enterprise, which apparently is is commissioned, I believe, just before or just during accident. Right. Yeah, that would be their. I guess not the. Would it be their the battleship that they're talking about? The it wouldn't be the warship that they're talking about in the show. In the I trailer. don't know. I don't know. I'm guessing that's the Ares that they're talking about. Okay. But. Right. When when the trailers tell you everything, <laughs> yeah. How sure. many of us? How many of us watched the Into Darkness trailer and thought it was the Enterprise crashing into San Francisco Bay on the first time? That's very true. Very true. And I remember so many people discussing whose hand was that during that basic remake of that Star Trek Two scene. Dear, dear JJ Universe, please stop remaking Star Trek: The Wrath of Khan. We know it's a great film. Thank you very much. And that's the great thing with these fan series, and that's the great thing with things like Renegades, that's the great thing with things like Alex and R. Phase 2 continues. You know what, if you are talking about a, a sort of variation in quality, whatever, you know what, it's original Trek material that we're seeing from people who love the show, and however much sometimes I can gripe about things in them, you know what, we still got to love them because 
it's what it's what we're going to get at the moment. It's the nearest thing you're going to get to, to proper proper universe Star Trek. Right. So that does it for the news this week. Uh, moving on to our next segment, would you buy it? So would you would you buy this? <laughs> um, they they are glass, aren't they? Right. So so to yes. be fair, in my in my house, uh, uh, we have a very very bouncy Labrador. So no, <laughs> oh, okay. I wouldn't buy these because they'll end up in about fifty billion shards in about ten minutes. No, I mean they they're really nice. They're really nice. Uh, and do uh, the shot glasses? You know, being teetotal as I am, mm-hmm. pause. Comedy laughter inserted there. Uh, I, 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 they're nice, but but not for me. No, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I, I think they're very nice. I probably wouldn't get them. I would like to receive them as a gift. So if anyone else wants to buy them for me, that would be awesome. Or if, or if Think Geek have any samples they wanted to maybe send in, just so you can then talk about them a bit more, I'm sure that wouldn't be a problem. Thanks. Right. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. Our unofficial sponsor of the podcast, thank you. Uh, so these are Star Trek ceramic shot glass sets. So there's a set of four TOS shot glasses. Two of them feature the USS Enterprise, one each of side view, top view. Yeah, okay. Yeah, and uh, yeah. with uh, the command delta shield on the reverse side. Then we have two that feature a Romulan bird of prey, one each of the side view and top view with the Star Trek logo on the reverse side. I kind of wish that they went with the Romulan Star Empire logo instead of the Star Trek logo. So it's silver ships with blue space squiggles. Is that is that official? Is that official pre, um, press release wording? That squiggles. It is. It, it's from the Think Geek site. Wow. Uh, on a black ceramic shot glass. I've, I've never used the word squiggles before, and I probably will never use it again. That's that's great. They look really nice. They do look really nice. I just, as you say, it would have been great if they'd done the Romulan or Romulan bird of prey with the Romulan. Uh, Empire from this bird holding the, the twin worlds would have been mm-hmm. fantastic, and then do a Klingon one play with the Klingon logo on it. Uh-huh. With the fa- There's a whole series you could do with these. A whole series. Very true. Yeah, very nice if you're a big fan of doing Star Trek drinking games, which is probably another night of. Anyway, yeah, that's, that's a whole whole different kettle of fish. So yeah, if you've got your Star Trek Je- uh, Voyager bingo set, which I'm sure you've got aboard. Oh, red. definitely. I have it back here somewhere. <laughs> then this is this is for you. This is for you, if you if you like it. If you want to, you know, drink in your Romular Ale or your uh, Klingon beer in shot form, then, then absolutely. Absolutely. But no, mm-hmm. not for me, thanks. <laughs> These sell for $14.99 on the ThinkGeek website. The link is in the show notes if you're so inclined to get them. So, moving on to the topic of the show, All Good Things, which is the final episode of The Next Generation. It is. It is. Where do you start with All Good Things? 1994. Mm -hmm. Am I right? Yep, 1994. 25 years. Are we correct? Oh, it's not. No, sorry, I'm not. I'm not right. It's 20 years. I'm getting myself out. It's 25 years of Final Frontier. Uh, I won't even mention that anymore. So it's 20 years of all good things. Uh, and just to this date, I wrote a piece on this this quite recently uh, about how great a finale it is. I'm a, I'm a huge Deep Space Nine fan. Uh, it's, okay. That Deep Space Nine is, is my favourite series 
by a long way because of everything that does. But for me, All Good Things is still the defining series finale of any Trek show. I totally agree. Without without a doubt. As I say, where, where do you start with it? Where do you start talking about, about All Good Things? Well, one of the things I love about this episode is that unlike any of the other final episodes of Star Trek, and I've said this before in several episodes, this is a good bookend to the premiere episode of Star Trek The Next Generation, where we have Q's trial against humanity. So that alone, (laughs) I feel, makes it the best finale. Because if we look at... Well, bad example, but if we look at Star Trek Enterprise in that finale... Has absolutely nothing to do with the show. <laughs> it has nothing to do with anything. <laughs> it's a terrible, terrible. It's one of the worst episodes of Trek ever made. Yeah, I, I would, I would kind of debate your point on on it, on it being the only one that bookends. I, I still think uh-huh. that, that that what you leave behind bookends really nicely because it takes the whole Cisco emissary storyline. I know that the Dominion okay. War is really a season four onwards, but the whole Cisco storyline is bookended by. Uh, what you leave behind, Voyager again. It, it sort of follows the what you leave behind trailer trend, which is the finishes the Borg storyline, which was only from season four onwards. Mm-hmm. But still finishes the we get home story, which right. you kind of assumed it would. <laughs> right, because <laughs> we're still lost at the right. end of Quantum Leap, and we know how popular that was. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I, I think the trailer, the, the trial piece is, is you're absolutely right. It, it, it was such a genius idea to to pull the trial back to to finalize the TNG saga. Absolutely. In this episode, we find out that the Q Continuum have come to the decision that humanity cannot be allowed to continue. Yes. Uh, so the trial from never ended. <laughs> right, never ended. Now this is kind of weird. But the Q and the Q continuum is kind of weird. I would assume that they exist outside of normal space and time. You'd have to assume that, wouldn't? I, mean, I guess you've seen Voyager's Death Wish. I've is- I've seen. I I was not a fan of the Q episodes I, in Voyager. It's a shame because that is re- I, that's a really good Q episode. It's a really really. It's in fact it's the only decent Q episode that they did in Voyager. It, uh, refresh my memory really quick. Okay, so Death Wish um, is the one with the second Q who wants to be to die because everything okay. he's done everything. And okay. in there, they go to the Q continuum as part of the evidence for his trial. They go to the Q continuum, and it's the road with the gas station, and everybody's been the scarecrow. Right. See, that's that's the part of the episode I didn't like is the representation of the Q continuum. Yeah. How they, I understand that they have to make it so that you can comprehend what's going on there. Yeah. But uh, I wasn't impressed with it. <laughs> um, but as you say, they've got, to, they've got to exist out of time and space, but then the trial never ended. So is the trial still going on? Is the trial going on all the time? And is there an end to the trial? Oh, that's, that's going to go, whoa, that's, that's, a big, that's a big conversation. Right. I mean, technically, they could have gone, I don't know, you're, you're right, it, that would be a long conversation, so let's... Mine. <laughs> There's a couple of hard drives in Google's headquarters that we're just having to fill up for this conversation now, but yeah, right. it, it's 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 a great it, it, the, the the trial uh, bringing that piece back from the start, and it's the development of Q as well as a character because mm-hmm. at the beginning he's very much about 
proving that humanity is a complete waste of space and destroying humanity, putting them on trial and removing them from, from existence. And by the end of TNG, we've got a very different Q. We've got a Q who understands humanity a lot more. We've got a Q who, in fact, is helping Picard mm-hmm. to realise the paradox and to realise that, that humanity can be so much more and helping him to, to save humanity, which is kind of, which is a, a complete step away from where we were seven years ago. Mm-hmm. And that's that's really the core of, of all good things, is that, that journey uh, right. that we've had with the characters and, I guess, with, with Q as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's so much to talk about. But it's um, the, the trial. It's back in the same courtroom, the same setting. Everything is as it was seven years ago. I think even some of the extras, if you're really careful, you can see it's the same people in the set. Ah, uh, okay. Um, I, I can't be quoted on that too closely, but I think some of the people who were in the first one are in, back in that one, although there aren't the guys with the guns, if you remember them. Right, which, yeah. From they're the, not, yeah. yeah, they're not there. They're the only ones that aren't there, uh, which was a bit odd when you think back about it, that they were in the pilot and then not in this one. But there you go. But yeah, just, just a great way to do it. I think the... The anti-time anomaly is is a really interesting concept. You could tell that Brennan Brager had a hand in writing it. You could tell. Mm-hmm. When it had the word time in it, you thought, there's only one person <laughs> that's going to be writing this kind of stuff. And it was Brennan Brager. So it's, it's such a weird concept, and it has one of the biggest errors in TNG mm-hmm. in it. I don't know if, you, if you're aware of this. When they go back to see the anti-time anomaly forming... They, uh-huh. say, they say that there are three beams intersecting it from three different enterprises. Right. And the future enterprise never fired a beam into the anti-time anomaly. It's the mm-hmm. Pasteur. Pasteur, yeah. So they, they screwed up a little bit, which is great. So there's a big blooper. If you watch it back, you'll see it. That yeah. They really messed that one up. But um, the anti-time anomaly, it's a great concept that it starts off mm-hmm. in the future and comes back through time, and then it, it causes a whole load of problems right at the beginning of Earth. I mean, how else could you finish off a series like this? And then you've got the three time periods, which were to, which was going to be four, of course. Oh, they were going to have four time periods. Were they? they rem- did you did you know about this one? No. So they were going to have a best of both worlds time period. Oh, really? Be yeah, there were going to be four. They were going to have huh. the pre-encounter, the current timeline, best of both worlds timeline, and the twenty-five years in the future. As that would be. Pieces. That would have made the episode so much longer, I would imagine. Yeah, it would have turned it into probably super feature length for the only time ever. But yeah, that was that was the original plan hmm. from, what I, from what I've heard and from what I've read that there were going to be these four different time periods. But they ditched the best of world one, I think, because it was probably too close to the current timeline, even though it was a really popular episode, as we know. But there are some, some great little bits when you go back in through the movie. I mean, I don't know, I, I don't know how we go, can I go here, because... I mean, it's probably best to sort of talk about the episode itself, and then we can talk about when we sort of first saw it. But the mm-hmm. the three time periods are, are fantastic. So you have the the original um, pre encounter Farpoint. We see the Enterprise for the first time. Uh, the back of with the pipe spandex uniforms, or <laughs> back in the red with the original gold sash, but with the but retaining his season seven forehead. So they kept the forehead, but they changed everything else. Colmini back as O'Brien. Data, for some reason, with Lieutenant Junior Grey Pips on, <laughs> which was really odd. Just I, I, I thought it was fantastic. And there's some, there's some great bits. I, I, what, how did you sort of feel they did recreating that original time frame? Uh, so the, I thought they did a really good job. Rewatching it, <laughs> one of the 
the things that I thought was pretty cool that I didn't see before was when Picard was talking to Riker on the viewer. Yeah. And they had uh, the Riker with the shaved face and stuff. That's from the episode Arsenal of Freedom. Yeah, which you talked about the other week, in fact. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. I remember because yeah. I saw his uh, that uh, hologram behind yeah. him. I was like, oh, hey, I know exactly what, where that's from. <laughs> so that, you know, caught my eye. Because uh, I, I just rewatched this episode uh, maybe a week or two ago. Yeah. Um, it's it's a great it's a great piece and that the, the there's some really nice little bits now I know they didn't get the original captain's chair back so that it's not got the flip up arms um, there are some other bits I know they they switched the two uh-huh. I'm trying to remember now because I haven't watched it for a while do the two chairs the ops and the compositions have those big reclining backs on them or are they still the were the the more upright ones Wow I don't that's remember. a really it's a random question but I'm I'm tending to think that they did have the big reclining backs on them again. The one. only the only thing I remember is uh, right behind the captain's chair, it had where that wharf's console is. That area was flat again. It didn't have that little piping design. Yes, uh, yeah. that's yeah. the only thing that popped up. And I think the side panels returned to the original configuration. I believe they were maybe a darker color on this along the sides originally. I think they. Were a darker, yeah, they were almost they were darker wood, weren't they? From memory, I, I think so. Ooh, it's been a while since I've seen it as well. Yeah, they and I think they even put the I think the rear consoles even went back to being unmarked from from memory. But I'd have to just I'd have to double check on that one. But it's a great from the character point of view and getting everybody back in. It, it's it's great and even getting Troy back into that horrific uniform with the big <laughs> hair and everything as well. It's yeah. there's so many little. There's, there's so many little bits as well. He's saying that the, the Riker piece on the screen and one of the bits that was cut out when it goes into a two-part format, which I'm guessing it, it is more, it's shown more as now with being in syndication and, and repeats, uh, is the scene where Picard orders, orders his first cup of all great and the replicator doesn't recognise it, which is, which is not in the, in the two-part version. I didn't uh, realise that. Yeah, there's some, really, there's some really, really horrible cuts that were made from the two-part version. And that's one of them. When we got it in the UK, I've, I've said, I think I've mentioned this several times in, in, in the blog, they put it onto, onto video format, so they put it onto VHS as volume 79, I think it was, and they put it in the two-part version, mm. and it was horribly, horribly done, and they, they, the fan kickoff was huge, but then they strained, they, they re-released it on a special DVD with Journey's End, End of the Next Generation documentary, plus right. all the trailers of all the seven films to that point, because Generations was just about to come out. Okay. And did it as the full TV movie, which got real, people really knocked off because it was a, a cut, a limited edition box. But yeah, that scene, that scene was taken out. They also took out part of Worf's conversation with Picard on the view screen when they talked to him about getting them across the Klingon border. Mm-hmm. Part of that was cut out when they talked to Worf about honour. And the old Q and old Picard scene is cut completely, oh. which is wow. shocking because that was used in all the publicity as well. And they cut that out of the two-part version. It's a, a horrible, horrible cut. <laughs> horrible cut. Uh, and got people really round up in the UK because we, we had to wait ages to get to see it. Um, it mm. Because it was at times when they didn't use to show TV series the day after they were shown in the US. So we, have to wait, we had to wait, I think it was two or three months to get it on, on VHS. Uh, well. But yeah, but there you go. Um, I mean, I, then we, we've sort of talked about the, the, the first time period there, but the, the future one is, is just magical for so many reasons. <laughs> And there is another cut in that as well, which is the the reference to Geordie's wife being Leia Brahms. 
Oh, I see. Was was cut as well, but it's just. Um, what I mean, do you think they got the future timeline right for that? I, I thought it was well done. I thought it was interesting to see, you know, the relationship between Crusher and Picard had evolved, and they eventually get married and then divorced. Yeah. Uh, within that twenty-five year span, which I get, that's a pretty good span of time. Twenty-five years. Then we find uh, Troy dies yeah. somehow. They they don't go into it. And Worf and Riker have this animosity towards each other because of this Troy uh, relationship, which I was honestly not a big fan of. Yes. <laughs> it didn't quite make sense to me, but yeah, that's okay. Not a, not, a, not a good move. Not a good move. It was what I think was one of the, the, the big missteps of the last season to, to try that. I know they, they thought about doing it in season five after New Ground when Worf broke his back and they thought about putting it in then and then they went, oh, yeah, well, it's the last season. Let's just have a go. Right. And yeah, it, was a, it was a bit of a mistake. But yeah, mm-hmm. sorry. As you say, um, yeah. Uh, I, I thought uniform design, not huge fan of the uniform design, but that's okay. We know that it's eventually going to be the uniform of Starfleet because we see it in various incarnations of the future timeline. In Voyager's final episode, Endgame, we see it yep. again. Yep. So we know that's going to happen. Uh, if nothing else, that's happening. I'm, I'm a big fan of like uniforms and that, those kinds of designs. How did you feel about the uniform? The future uniform, it's it's mm, not the greatest design. It, I noticed that, that if you play Star Trek Online, they kind of ignore that a little bit. Right. And just don't worry about it too much. It's it's all right. I mean, you're right. It, it was used in Voyager's Endgame. It was used in Deep Space Nine's The Visitor, which I actually watched last weekend. Right. So that's the reason I remember that one. Again, Tony Tony episode. So there we right. link it back in nicely to everything. It's it's not the greatest. It's it's very much a TNG cast off slight move on from there, mm-hmm. but not not brilliant. I just think there's. It, TNG uniform works and the movie uniforms work because they break the color up with the, the shoulders. Mm-hmm. Whereas this one is solid red, solid mustard, or solid blue with just a black line, which didn't really help them. And it's all one piece as well, from memory, I think. I feel like there's some kind of separation where it would be like some kind of jacket yeah, going it wraps, on the side. Yeah. yeah, I think it wraps, doesn't it? Because it goes across. It's almost like the Kurt wraparound from season two of the original series. It wraps across and then down, but it's all piped as well, wherever the join lines are. Right. Uh, yeah, not, not, the, not, the greatest. <laughs> not the greatest design, really. No, people, no. I, I, yeah. Neither did, was I a great fan of Picard's look, to be fair. The, the old age look. He's yeah. aged a lot better in reality than they <laughs> aged him in the series uh, yeah. there. Definitely, he's age. I mean, the whole aerobotic syndrome piece was very, very cleverly done. Worked quite nicely. I thought that. I thought that was good. Yeah, it was great that he that he kind of wasn't hadn't become this sort of Superman and, and carried on and gone down the kind of Kirk line of being this captain for decades mm-hmm. uh, and being the sort of superhero and kind of retired and, and lived out his life in in the vineyards of France, making his wine. Really nice for the character. I. I it was good to see them sort of move on, and it's the only... I know Voyager tried to do that at the beginning of Endgame, so they tried to do that moving on storyline and, and showed them in the future, but I think all good things is a much more... I don't want to use the word cuddly, but I'm going to. It's a much more cuddly finale. Uh-huh. It's a lot more about family. It's a lot more about, you know what, this is the series that brought Trek 
back from just being a movie series. This is a, this is a series that shouldn't have worked but did, mm-hmm. and became a massive success, number one syndicated program in America at the time, and was just was, was just super huge. And it had come to an end, but it it had to be a feel good finale. It had to be something that would lend them that would that would move them on to the movies. Whereas you've got the difference between all good things and what you leave behind in Endgame, and even to an extent, these the voyages, <laughs> Shiver Enterprise, is that we knew that the journey was going to continue. Mm-hmm. Right. We knew that this wasn't the finale for the crew. They still had a, a movie franchise, and we all assumed, I guess, that it was going to go for six or seven movies. Right. It was going to be six or seven movies, and that we were going to see them in the next 20, 30 years. And that didn't happen, as we know. Mm-hmm. But what you leave behind in Endgame are very much finite endings to those series. But but this is a this is a, a more of a staged point. I don't know if, if you sort of have what you sort of felt the feel was, or where they were kind of aiming this this finale experience. I, I thought it was a good ending, and if they ended it there, I would have been happy. Well, I wouldn't have been happy with it, but I would have been okay with it, because it didn't leave me saying, there is something more that I need to see. Like, in the DS9 finale, I want to know what happened to Cisco, and I'm never going to know what happened to Cisco, because yeah. it's they're not going to go back to that. Yeah, I mean, the, the, I I felt that was a really great fun. I mean, it's the only time they've ever killed off a commanding officer, effectively. They sent him off to the prophets. If you read the the novels, then you find out that he does he does come back. Mm-hmm. But I think that ruins it to some extent. I think it's better that he stays. That the whole thing is that his destiny is to become one of the prophets. Mm-hmm. That he's not going to come back. That's that's where his storyline. That's where it really started from emissary. Emissary put him on that path. And we know that, I, I, I think we all know secretly that he's going to end up there, that he's not going to survive the finale in this realm anyway, that he's right. going to end up uh, in, at the other side of the wormhole. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, with TNG, there's that there's that continued, continued mission, I suppose, that they've talked about from seven years, that it was always the continuing mission and that it would, would continue. Um, I, 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 it's, it's just a great two-parter, and I know there was rumours that there were thoughts of it becoming an eighth season, so they oh, thought wow. about doing an eighth season. Mm. But I think it was down to cost of the cast and that they knew they would rather go and do a motion picture. So they would rather go and do Generations mm. than they would do than they would do another season. And I think it was to do with the quality as well because I don't think season seven is as good as they had previous years. We had attached Subrosa, Force of Nature. Big mistake with Force of Nature there to put the Warp 5 speed limit in. Oh, um, uh, well... Mm. Oh, right. <laughs> <laughs> you, want, you want to start this one? You want to start uh, this one? <laughs> uh, um, what about uh, yeah. one of the ones that I totally, I'm pretty sure it's season seven, is Masks that I really disliked. <sighs> yeah, a friend of mine bought that. I, I, my friend bought that on video, and it's on the, on the VHS with Eye of the Beholder, which is equally as bad. It was a horrible 90 minutes to TV to watch. <laughs> <laughs> But I, I really don't like some of that season seven. I think that they, there are some absolute stormers, but I think mm. that they finale, they finish it really well. You get parallels. You've got Pegasus in there. You've got, um, and I'm going to say, I, I really enjoy Genesis. I'm sorry. Uh, I really enjoy Genesis. And Preemptive yeah. Strike. And, and then you get the finale. And it's great because it does, it stands alone. It still bookends, but it, it's, it brings everything back from the pilot. But I should <laughs> never watch the pilot and watch all good things in the same day. Because the the difference in quality between those two ends is such is so huge. Mm. You could watch Deep Space, and you could maybe watch Caretaker and 
uh, end game and you can watch emissary and what you leave behind and you won't see that much of a difference that 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 bigger difference between the start and finish but the the difference in the characterizations between the pilot and the end of of next gen is is huge and it, it kind of shows the journeys that beyond data troy particularly are just two completely different characters to what they started out as um i, I mean I, I what was sort of for you with a with the highlights of of all good things, where did you kind of think that you went? You know what? If you if you can kind of go, these are the moments, and these are the bits of it that were just the best. Where would you go? Let's see. Where Q and Picard are back on Earth, the anomaly is in the sky. It has expanded to the entire Alpha Quadrant. Yes. Which also means that probably most of the species in the Milky Way galaxy are probably also destroyed. I haven't thought which, about that, but yes. Yeah. So that that moment where he goes, oops, nothing happened. Where the amino acid where they were supposed to combine and create amino acids or, or whatever it was. I thought that was a really good moment. I'll tell you that scene in the the, the past Earth, the prehistoric Earth, mm-hmm. that's another cut scene from the two part. So in that scene, when he wipes his hand across the side and says, "I merely must um, complain to the maid," uh-huh. that like that piece was cut again. That's a, that's just another one of the bits that they cut out of the two parter. I hate the two part version. It does it does destroy it. Um, but yeah, that's that's a great piece. I really like that. That is one of the best bits um, when he's looking at the goop, the primordial goop mm-hmm. in his hands. Um, what else have we got that that was? Um, how can we not talk about the weapon of mass destruction? On the Enterprise D. Oh well, like this dreadnought class, <laughs> like dreadnought starship here. Yeah, I guess we can talk about that. So we have three nacelles. Yeah. Which. Uh, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, no, no, no. Because I know you're gonna you're gonna come up with the. They should be an even numbers. Uh, they should be an so even numbers. <laughs> but they get around this by saying there are two warp coils in each nacelle. Uh, that's a good so, one. Yeah, so that's how they got around it. I forget where I heard that. But that's, that's a very good one. Yeah. Uh, then we have this humongous like uh, phase cannon on the underside. And it, it's, it, and it's the first time we see ships since Star Trek II attacking in three dimensions. Because oh, the Enterprise wow. comes up from the bottom through the two Klingon attack cruisers, mm-hmm. uh, which are a, a, which are the oddly enough what became the Negvar, but is mm-hmm. the effectively the success to the Negvar uh, because of the two future Klingon cruisers, which are just gorgeous, gorgeous craft. Yeah. I, I love them, uh, and just it, it, when it decloaks, uh, just. Uh, what can you say? What can you say? Nobody expected that to kind of happen, and you see it as many times as you want. It's still amazing, and the Eagle Moss model that they did, which is a subscriber only, is is fantastic. I'm still waiting for mine to turn up, actually. But that's another story for another day. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, I'm a huge fan of clean on design. By the way, yeah. I have several uh, models of the uh, clean on bird of prey. Which is my favorite? I think it's my favorite ship of all time. Um, really? Yeah. Well, it's, Le- 30, it's thirty years since that f- that ship first turned up. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Thirty years this year. In fact, thirty years two weeks ago since that that ship first made its its appearance. Wow. It's uh, as old as me. That's uh, crazy. Which means it's only slightly younger than me. <laughs> 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 
I see. I was I was born I, I was born a month after um, motion picture. In fact, I was born a month before motion picture premiered. Oh wow, you're old. Was easy, easy. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa, there's people that are working it out. So that means he must be like 47. No, um, <laughs> so, no, it's not. It's not. So I I, 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 I made it just into the 70s by two months. Mm-hmm. So yeah, but for me, I would, I would have been. I mean, when when we're talking about ages and things, so yeah, it's thirty years since the bird, since the bird of prey appeared, which is thirty years since Excelsior appeared, which is thirty years since the wow. Earthbath appeared. Um, it's thirty years since Nimoy directed his first Star Trek. It's a whoa well, when you start thinking about that, and that's this is a whole another. Com- we're having several other conversations as well here today. That's true. We're known for having <laughs> tangent. So we'll, that's okay. We'll cut, so we'll, we'll, we'll cut them out in editing. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, when you talk about going back in and where were you and kind of things like that. For me, I know I know you put on some of the social media, where were you when All Good Things premiered? So for me, I was probably in bed because um, you guys are about five hours behind us. Mm-hmm. So I would have been asleep when it premiered for the first time. But we had to wait until it came onto a channel called Sky. So I don't know if you've ever heard of British Sky Broadcasting. I've heard of Sky. Yeah. So we had to wait until it came onto Sky or to get the VHS or to get somebody from the US to effectively post it because they didn't have this thing called the internet uh, mm-hmm. in 1994. So we'd had to wait for it to come over in some form uh, and, and VHS was the only way you could get it really uh, other than wait for Sky to, to put it on and they stopped at season six. They stopped at Timescape and then held Descent and then showed Descent as the first episode of season seven. Mm-hmm. and held it for about three months. So we had to wait quite a while after you guys had seen it to get the last episode, or, or we had to get it on VHS, which was out before. So for me, the first time would have been probably October 94, I think. Oh, I wow. It. Yeah, so it was, quite a, it was quite a way after. In fact, it might have been even November. I think I might have got it for my birthday on video. So I would have been 15 when I first saw it, and just just, just mind-blowing, mind-blowing. And that last scene... Um, I mean, oh, where, 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 yeah. yeah, I mean, where, 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 where were you kind of when you saw it, and what, what? So you'd have been, you'd have been like three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was ninety-four. I was shy of eleven years old, uh, so I was about ten, going on eleven. Yeah. So when I first saw it, I was in my, I was in my room, which I had converted into a bridge of a starship bridge, it, using cardboard. Uh, and so I, I made like little, like a con station. I have a wow. little robot, uh, toy robot. That was my my data, and he uh, he was basically my only officer. So he did everything. But anyway, <laughs> I was uh, I was uh, sitting there. It premiered uh, seven. It was on is it seven or eight p.m. Yeah, on ABC uh, here in Boston. And watched it for you know those two hours, and I was blown away. And my mother, who isn't a Star Trek fan, she came in my room and was like, "Oh wow, that was great." So I guess she was in the other room watching it, and she came back uh, by and said, "Wow, that was great. I loved that last scene yeah. where playing cards." Yeah, it's it's just beautiful scene. It's a beautiful, beautiful scene. Um, I watched it with my dad because my dad was the guy who got me into into Trek, um, mm. and he probably watched he watched all the original series, but next gen he kind of went in and out of because it was on at six o'clock in the UK. So we okay. got on a channel called BBC Two, uh, and it was shown at six p.m. on a Wednesday night. So if by that time he would be coming home from work, or he would just have got in by the time the kind of tiles rolled. Uh, but uh-huh. we 
but with the V8, when I started getting into track a bit more, which is probably season seven and next gen, was when I really got into Star Trek to a, a big degree um, mm. and really started collecting stuff because I used this is when I was starting to try looking magazines, find out what was coming up. So I knew about all good things probably six, seven months before I saw it because we were seeing stills from it and we kind of got a little bit of information. But yeah, we watched that together and we were this is just amazing. And it was straight into the top five, straight into top five next gen mm-hmm. for me. Um, and, you know, the sky's the limit. And it's one of those lines that is so often quoted now. Because right. it's the last line of next gen. And it just, it, it, it had them going off into the sunset effect. I mean, not quite Fistful of Data's into the sunset, but it had them right. going off into the sunset at the end. And you knew that, and the, the worst thing was that we all knew Generations was coming. Right, and yeah, yeah. I, I don't know, I mean, from your perspective, that, so you're sitting there, and, and the credits roll. I mean, what, what did you sort of think then? Did you think, well, that's it, and I've got to wait for six months for Generations, or had you heard anything about that? I, mean, what? I was excitedly anticipating the movie. Obviously, <clears> I had to wait all summer, and then, you know, the start of the next school year, still like, oh, I'm going to go see this. It's actually the first Star Trek movie that I saw in, in the movie theater. Wow. I wore... Going to the movie theater, I wore a Starfleet uniform, next gen. Uh, it was a ones one piece uniform. It was a you could use that. See, that's back in fashion. You could wear that piece. now. Yeah, the onesie. You could just get away with that now. How <laughs> you want to get into it? Now. <laughs> I still have it though, but I, I I've grown since <laughs> since then. Not much. Anyway, I brought like my toy <laughs> phaser. Uh, Went to see it, so I was excited to see it. I was let down by the movie, but that's that's another a different story. That's a different story. Yeah, I, I think we all kind of got let down. See, I, I was quite lucky that we had an exhibition in the UK, which went to Birmingham, and they had some of the props that were from Generations and from 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 uh, Good Things as well. So we got to see some of those. But yeah, I mean, Good Things. It was. Would, would you say it was a game changer? Did it did it change perspective on anything in Trek? I mean, I, I think it was the first time we'd ever really stepped into a into a proper future, wasn't it? It was the mm. first time we'd had a, a finalization of a story. Was it a finalization of a storyline? But it, 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 I think for the the way series finished, it it really set the benchmark easily. Set the benchmark mm-hmm. of anything that was going to come. And from the future perspective, yeah, they played around a lot. But I mean, do you, do you think it? It had an impact on the later Trek series. Do you think it had an impact on Trek from that point onwards? Uh, I, I I don't think so. Hmm. I feel like each series is you know isolated and has their own qualities, which I don't really see them really pulling from TNG. Really? Yeah. I mean, I I could be wrong, but I think I think it was the last episode that Brandon Breaker and Ronald D. Moore wrote together. Mm. from memory because they wrote Generations um, I can't remember if they did they write First Contact as well mm. my memory says that they did my memory says that they wrote First Contact and they wrote I think Wish Impossible 2 as well around that time but yeah it's I still it's one of the easiest I think to let, it's 88 minutes if you take all the adverts out uh, straight from end start to end and it is one of those easy ones that you can stick on and watch I think again and again and again and you'll mm-hmm. you'll catch little things in each time they'll be oh hang on a minute yeah that's that's this piece and, and I, I remember that bit and, and you do kind of start to see lots of, of bits from Piss series and, and, and little quotes and comments and things that they put in there but overall mm-hmm. just yeah, just a great episode it's, it's just really scary to think that it's 20 years ago that it was that it was first aired and right. here we are still 20 years later talking about it and we've actually had probably more Trek produced since that episode aired than before it. 
Probably, yeah. There you go. That's a scary thought for you. Yeah. That, that we've had, we'd have had so seven seasons of Voyager, four seasons of Enterprise, two JJ movies, third one in pre-production probably at the moment. Plus, mm-hmm. you then had seasons three through seven of Deep Space Nine as well. Right. So that's a huge amount of Trek that came after we we had Next Gen, and that was only 178. Right. And then we had all oh, that to come, and then we didn't even know what was going to happen. And then look where we are now. Wow. Five. Well, we well, two years off the fiftieth. Wow, yeah. 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 <laughs> Fanboy out, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, great. Oh. Just, uh, just, go and, just go and watch just go and watch all good things. If you've not seen it for ages, go and watch it now. Oh, it's yeah, good. definitely. Definitely cool. suggest watching that episode. If you're not... And I find that even though it pulls in from a counter FR point, you can watch yeah. this without having ever seen a counter FR point. A lot of people would say you never need to see Encounter of Farpoint more than once. <laughs> just, for, just for Troy at the end with the whole I can feel joy and pain thing. I've never... It's, it's, it's a bl- nails down a blackboard moment. I'm sorry. And, and it just, it's just horrible. And I, I feel really sorry for There are two moments in Trek which... And I'm slightly diverging from the subject, but there are two moments in Trek which I, I feel are nails on blackboard moments. One is Troy, her final speech in Encounter of Farpoint which is now on the blackboard, and Data's funeral scene in Nemesis. Mm. And it's a Troy moment again. And yeah, I just, <laughs> that's the only moment in the cinema where, oh, no, God, this is awful. And, and mm. yeah, so I'm sorry, Marina Sirtis. Um, you are great, <laughs> but just, just no, never again. But there you go. Yeah, all good things. Um, my opinion, fantastic. Absolutely brilliant. Yep, I totally agree. One thing I would like to bring up about the isolated time frames. Yes. So we have the anomaly, which past, present, and future. Yep. Yet it doesn't exist in between those points at all. No. And it's like it's they just appear in the Devron system as if it's just been created, which I found kind of odd. And then we have the assumption that it's growing backwards through time. Yeah. So, I don't know how we can account for that. Yeah, because they're three separate time periods, but yeah, it's traveling back from the point that they created it, but yeah, there's a whole there's a whole thing with anti-time, because effectively the past era created, and then they go back and see it created, but they can't see it created, because if the past era created it, they wouldn't see it, because it'd be in the past. Because it goes backwards through time, not forwards. Exactly. There you exactly. go. Boom. Yes, that's the one. That's the that's the money shot. Brandon Breaker, Brandon Moore. I should have written that for you. But otherwise, they couldn't see the t- they couldn't see the anomaly, which would mean that they couldn't go into it in the future Enterprise, which would mean that the whole ending of the episode wouldn't work at all. Right. Wow. <laughs> you ruined you ruined all good things. That's it. That's it. Yeah. I'm not watching it ever again. <laughs> uh... <laughs> You've ruined, you've ruined it for me. I'm going to have to go and... Uh, I'm just going to burn my DVD copy now because I just can't watch it again now. I've realised that. It's not good. Yeah, so if you don't think about that or the fact that the point that you brought up, the Enterprise did not engage... The Enterprise from the future didn't engage attacking on uh, Pulse or Beam. Ignore those and it's a great... It's a perfect episode. There's nothing wrong yeah. with it. Yeah. One of the things I, I think we, is worth noting as well is, is one of the things that was take that was I know we talked about the Borg timeline, which mm-hmm. was originally going to be a piece of it. Uh, one of the other things that was going to be a piece was the future Enterprise. They were going to steal that in a sort of homage to Star Trek Three. 
So oh, you'd have Picard. Okay. I don't know if you've, if you've heard this one. Um, Picard and Geordi and Data would have stolen the Enterprise from a museum. They would have walked around it on a tour. Mm-hmm. So the idea was that one of the ideas was they were going to go on it. They'd go to Starfleet Museum. They'd walk around the Enterprise, and people would be sort of talking about, "Hi, this is where." Commander LaForge was and this was where and they'd walk them around and then they'd steal the ship and that was how they were going to get the ship to go to the Devron system that would have been awesome I would have loved to have seen that but it didn't happen it's a real shame but it didn't happen but yeah that was that was one of the 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 things that was that was ejected from one of the drafts uh, from what I I remember seeing but yeah um, just 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 can't watch all good things I've got the script somewhere as well for all good things I think um, in the cube script which was the, the Chronicles um, which is a great read through. I just like the fact that Trek, that Q becomes the first character in Star Trek history to say the word Trek. Oh, you're so, Trek through the stars. Yeah. First time. It's the first time that word is spoken in since 1966. Hmm. That is that is a. It's one of those random facts. There you go. I'm full of these random annoying Trek facts. Oh no no not annoying at all. And <laughs> um, then we have the wow. I didn't realize that. I I real I knew that like the. First time Star Trek was said, was said was in the, mm. uh, First Contact, where what, you said, "What's what's the quote? Just, just remind me of the quote. What's the quote in Star Trek? First Contact? What's the line?" Um, um, you're all astronauts on some kind of Star Trek. I can't imagine who would use that as a blog title. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yes, yes. <laughs> yeah. And we pulled that one in. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> There so you, you should go read read that blog post. What was that blog post about? Um, there's one that is on. Or I did one on all good things, which was about uh, its impact 25, 20 years on, um, which is relevant to this. We've got pieces on there about Axanar. We've got pieces. There's there's loads of stuff that we talked about today, which we've we've written on there as well. I'm sure we'll put the the link on the notes, um, and I might get oh, yeah, a sure. reader. Somebody, a, a I might get a reader from it, which would be brilliant. Um, but we've got some really good people who, who do contribute quite regularly to, to comments on there, and, and it's. I just want to say to them and anybody who's read it while I'm on here as well, slight plug. But no, thanks very much for everything and for the support and for reading it, and for you guys as well on, on the podcast because it's been uh, it's been great to, to work with you guys and listen to you every podcast and, and get me to work, which is brilliant. But anyway, let's let's carry on because we just love all good things and we love people and where are we going to go from here? these subspace channels. So I uh, reached out to various uh, social media sites and asked this question. In Star Trek, time travel is often used to repair an event in the timeline. Would you use time travel if it was available? So Clive, would you use time travel if you could? I'll keep this reply quite short, unusually for me. Would I use time travel? Um, Yeah, of course you would. Mm. Of course you would. I would go into the future and um, I'd have set up a bank account and I'd go into the future and empty that bank account and then bring it all back because <laughs> I'd have millions ah. of pounds. Uh, okay, um, would I do that? Yeah, I would use time travel, definitely. Maybe for that reason. Maybe so I can get myself a starship. Oh, a starship. Uh, that'd be cool. Nip that would be cool. Bring yourself back a starship. Why not? Why not? You'd have to get a big enough time machine to get it back. Anyway, that's that's another. This is going into anti-time territory as well. But yeah, <laughs> I, I, would, would would you use time travel? I, mean, you know. I believe I would. I'm a big time travel fan. I like Back to the Future. I love that that series of films. Star Trek Four is one of my favorite Star Trek films. Uh, involves time travel. A, a lot of my favorite Star Trek shows involve time travel, except for probably... Huh, what's that one? 
Uh, Time Zero. I'm not a huge fan on Time Zero. Really? Really? Oh, I think that's one of the, the greatest shots in Trek history when they uncovered his head in the cave. I think oh, that's one that. of those defining, that's a defining Trek moment. That's one of those where you go, okay, get yourselves out of that one. Um, yeah. Just brilliant. I, I, I think part two is rubbish, but part one's brilliant. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah, that yeah. that I agree with you about that that part. So I, I would use time travel probably to go into the the future because you wouldn't want to do something that would change the past. Although, oh, would you? Oh, would you? Oh, would you would you? be changing someone's past, yeah. just not your own. Yeah, if you That's... think of it like that. And you could invertedly. I, I was watching. There's an episode of Doctor Who, which is in the first series, the Eccleston series, which is called Father's Day, which I watched mm-hmm. last night. Strangely enough, and in that she changes the future by saving her. Uh, Rose changes the future by saving her dad from being run over by a car, and that's about he's an ins- is he insignificant? It's just how insignificant. Even if you change the future or the past, mm. you know if, what happens if you just if you instead of stepping in, uh, you know if you're the instead of the crossing and you step forward instead of the person behind you. And it's the whole kind of thing of, oh, there was a, there's a great piece in, in I'm sure it's in Star Trek about, you know, if we eradicate these people, will one of them turn into the next Khan Noonien Singh mm-hmm. um, and the next Hitler? You know, what 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 effect do we have? How can we determine things? What uh, that episode that you just described of Doctor Who reminds me a lot of City on the Edge of Forever from the original series, where they go back in time. McCoy is crazy because he's sick. And someone that should have died does not get hit by a car. Yeah. Uh, and it changes, you know, the timeline. So Kirk and Spock go back through the Guardian and fix the timeline by not saving the woman that's supposed to be hit by a car. Yeah. So yeah. there you go. Maybe maybe we shouldn't be traveling through time. I I think any interference is going to cause problems. Anything you do is going to impact something else, however small and insignificant you may think that person is, or however small and insignificant that event is in the big scheme of things, it will have a but. It's the but- It's a it's a temporal butterfly effect. There's a there's a problem. So it's it's always going to make make changes, whatever you do. But yeah. So what 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 did what did people say about this? What did people say about all of them? Were just like, yeah, we'd use time travel and rob loads of banks. <laughs> Let's have a look. Let's have a look. So on got? on Facebook here we have Lisa Clark who says, "Isn't this irrelevant? Because if it was available, we would have already used it. It may be none the wiser." Lol, indeed. <laughs> um, yes, laugh out loud. Yes, that that is a very good point. It's it's the whole kind of aliens thing as well. If they're here already, would we know? Could be changelings. True. The only issue I have with this, like, it would create a paradox. Because if you, say, go back in the past, change something, and then yep. come back to the future, there would have been no need for you to go back in the past to change it because it would have been changed by you. But yet, if you don't go back into the past to change it, it wouldn't be changed. Ooh, are we talking J.J. Abrams' timeline here? Right, so we have to create a parallel universe in order for this to work. Or Biff Horrific 1985, if you're a Back to the Future fan. Right, exactly. So, yeah, you're talking about your alternative timelines here. This is this is parallels territory, J.J. Um, mm-hmm. Abrams territory. It, it, yeah, it, it's time is such a. Uh, this is why Brandon Break was perfect to write everything that involved time travel, because it just it just boggles the mind. And you're right. Yeah, if we've gone back and if we already have time travel, how will we know? How do we know that all the multimillionaires out there aren't time travelers? 
That's a good point. Very uh, good you point. See, you see, conspiracy theory. They've already been to the future and they've just brought lots of money back. And that's how they make the millions. True, true that. I don't know if you're a fan of conspiracy theories or not. <sighs> yeah, a little bit. A little bit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, uh, oh. <laughs> well, that, that's a that's a big tangent. So let's let's just move on to the next I'm thinking answer. There's like there's like twenty or thirty supplementals we could do just on all the stuff we've covered. <laughs> next right, it's it's crazy. But uh, next from Facebook, we have Eric Dewey, who is a friend of ours from the Four Eyed Radio Network. He says, as I said in my I hate temporal mechanics panel at the Phoenix uh, Comic Con. Last weekend, if I could travel in time, I would only use it to observe. Specifically, I would go forward and observe some winning lottery numbers. Which he wouldn't use, of course, because he understands the temporal uh, paradoxes that he would cause and the, the issues. Of course. So I, I can understand that. He's obviously, you know, he's got a very good uh, moral compass. Uh, indeed. <laughs> <laughs> what a gent, as we would call him over here. Yeah. Absolute gent. Yes. So that, that does it for Facebook. Moving on to Google+, Plus, so the Star Trek community over there, which I believe you're a moderator? Uh, yes, yes, I have. I've been moderating on there for about two years now, actually. Um, it's, it's a great community. There's a lot of really good people over there who do comment, I think, quite a lot on here as well, and they've provided sort of internet. And it was the first, I think it might have been the way I found out about the podcast, actually. Uh, possibly, Plus. yeah. Possibly might have been. Um, no, great community. Uh, biggest Trek community on Google Plus. I think seventeen thousand people that it's got as part of that community now, and there's pretty much something going on there every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really good, really good. Thank you for reminding me that I'm moderating on it as well. I have done some stuff in there recently. That's fine. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, Google Plus. Let's let's go for it. Um, there we go. So we have Michael McGuire. MacGyver. 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 G. It's like Guyer. It would be cool if it was MacGyver. Richard Dean Anderson. Great series. We did get it in the UK. It was on at six o'clock on a Saturday. Uh, it see? was great. Uh, yeah, uh, the one with the ants. I'm still scared of ants because of that episode. <laughs> oh it's man, true, true you wouldn't story. want to be over at my house because we have like twenty thousand ant hills, l- like surrounding the house. Oh, we don't have anything like that. We just have next door neighbors' frogs that bounce across. In, into oh, my you have frogs? I I found a garden snake the other day, and I was petrified of it. We have nothing as exciting. We just get killer snails. I say killer snails. They're just snails. Oh, we have a ton of snails, too. Snails, yeah. snakes. It's so much more exciting. Uh, yeah. we, have nothing, we have nothing killer over over to America. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Absolutely. Just along. And then you don't, have to wait. You, don't, you don't have to wait to, uh, for Star Trek to come out because you'll get it firsthand. Ah, that's a good point. That's for, yeah, but when's the next series going to be? That, oh, that, yeah, it's going to be like yeah. two Unless it, this last movie, actually, you, I believe it premiered for you first. Yes, it did. And I was, I went to see it at midnight uh, mm-hmm. on, the, on the day it came out. So it premiered in the UK, I think, uh, 2nd of May. And it was out in the UK on the 9th. So I went at midnight to watch it on the night. If you go on the, I'm promoting the blog again, aren't I? If you go on the blog, I did a midnight little piece on it and, and went to see it. And yeah, it was, it was. I went to see it in 3D actually. Um, mm. it, yeah, yeah. I, we, get, we, we got it before you guys. I, I can never understand why we got it. I mean, it's quite. A, a, it was two weeks, I think, before you you got it as well. Right. I I, I remember waiting. Before. I was waiting yeah. and waiting. I was like, man, I I just read Clive's. <laughs> 
a little story about it. Uh, let's come on. I need I need to see this movie. I had people who were emailing me saying, "So, so, just tell me one thing." Izzy Khan. <laughs> I had loads of emails that were just, tell me one thing, Izzy Khan. And I'm just, I'm going, do you really want to know? <laughs> At which point they kind of went, well, you just answered the question for me. Okay. But yeah. right. Who else have we got? Sorry, I'm, who else have we got on Google Plus? I'm, I'm... Uh, so we have uh, Michael here who says, wait, did I say this? No. Yes. The first thing I would do is go back and assure. Th- wait. First thing I would do is go back and assure that I do not go forward. I would undo what I had done. No, okay. So go back and stop yourself from going forward. That that that's going to cause some serious temporal problems. Right. Have you ever seen the movie Primer? No. Um, I think I've heard about it, but I have never seen it. Really weird time travel movie. Uh, I have it. I I recommend it if you're into like those kind of offbeat uh, movies. Okay. Uh, it's 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 interesting. The time travel in it is is weird. Next we have Billy. Oh my goodness. Kuvillion. Kuvillion. I'll go with that. Who says? <laughs> well, I do use the edit option on comments quite a bit, so I guess I would. And that's a very good point. Yeah, because effectively we do go back and change the past. Because if we if we comment and I put a post on Google Plus or you put a post on uh, whatever and you go back about two days later and you correct it, effectively you're changing time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. That's very tedious. That's a very <laughs> tedious link. But yeah, cool. Okay, who else have we got on there? Javiathan Damon? Damon? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I think um, you and I may have to go to some sort of diction university. I to, believe uh, so. <laughs> Been there, done that, got the T-shirt. Uh, did he get the T-shirt in the future or the past? That's the key question. Good question. We, I should go back and ask... That's, that's a good point. If you went to the past, though, that means we can all get a T-shirt. Because the T-shirt will already be available. But if you go to the future, it isn't available yet. There you go. Key question. If, if uh, Mr. Treviathan does want to answer that, then uh, I'm sure I'm sure he's quite welcome to. <laughs> We'd love him to find out. But yes, and, and what is the T-shirt of? Oh, yes. What is it of? I don't does know. It say, um, is it say, does it say one of those comedy ones that says, keep calm, I've been to the future? Or is it just... I've been to the future and you really don't want to know about it. Something like that. I, I don't know. Like, I've been to the future and all I got was this stupid t-shirt? Yes. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure that's what it says. Um, I've been to the future and I got erased from time, stuff like that. But he wouldn't yeah. have been erased from time. Would he have a t-shirt? Anyway, yes. Uh, this, you know what? You, you, this, this, this question of time travel is one of those ones that is just it just boggles the mind. I'm going to have to have some paracetamol or something after this. Because my brain's just going to hurt. But, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Trevithan, um, I would say get in touch and let us know what you are doing with the t-shirt and what the t-shirt has on it and where you got the t-shirt. And is it one of us that gives you the t-shirt in the future? Oh, whoa. Well, because we could have created the t-shirt. Fine, fine. Yes, well, move me on. Move me on quickly. Move me on. Uh, we have Andy Stewart who says, I would go back in time and make sure Thatcher wasn't Prime Minister, LOL. Yeah, yeah um... That's British politics. So we have a, uh, a Brit there, uh, Mr. Stewarts. So Margaret Thatcher was Prime Minister in the UK from 1979 to 1990, from memory. Don't talk to any... If, if in the UK, minors don't really like Thatcher. Uh, she was a Conservative Prime Minister, who was eventually sort of kicked out by her own party. Uh, but she did a lot of good things. Um, a lot of things. Falklands War was kind of instigated by her. Um, but, yeah, she's she polarises opinion in the UK. Uh, she died a couple of years ago, but she's very, she really does, you either really like her or 
you really hate it. There's nobody in the middle ground. And awesome. I'm going to leave that political debate and not say where I stand. Again, All I right. don't want to be sued. <laughs> so, moving on, we have Star Trek Riza, an up-and-coming Star Trek social media network. And we have Richard Evans, who says, I would use time travel most certainly but I think it should be used for observational purposes rather than to change the timeline. Yeah, he's right. He's right. It should be for observational purposes, but because then we'd know who, who shot Kennedy. Um, and your mm-hmm. conspiracy... Th- but then effectively all your conspiracy theories would no longer be conspiracy theories because you could go back and find out everything. So Watergate, um, Jeff Kay, um, the Titanic, anything that anybody's got any sort of conspiracy theory or wants to know the absolute truth for of what happened... You know what you're gonna you're gonna find it out through time travel, and it starts off as as observation, and then you sort of go, oh, actually, you know what? I could just do that. Right, I can, I can fix here, that. I can that. just oh, hang on a minute, that, and it's even something simple as like you could be standing there and just move a stone or something, and that stone, and it's the butterfly effect. Mm-hmm. But yeah, were you a fan of Red Dwarf? Big, big fan. Yeah, big fan. Big so fan. you saw that episode where they had JFK assassinate himself. Uh, which is a really poor episode of Red Dwarf, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's it's the it's the it's the really I seasons one to six are great. Season seven is is pretty poor. It's the only season they didn't shoot in front of a live in front of a studio audience. They shot in front of a studio audience. You didn't know this. I so had no one, idea. Yeah, yeah. So seasons one to six of Red Dwarf, um, everything from um, the end through to Out of Time, was all shot in front of a studio audience. So wow. It went live. Um, yeah, you should watch some of the outtakes because the outtakes clearly show that it's it's part of a, a live set. And then season seven was a was a while after they did Out of Time um, and the JFK one. Yeah, they go back and they they change the falling out the window about three times. Piece mm-hmm. is what you're going. Yeah, yeah, it's it, it's not the greatest ticket to ride. That's the name of the episode. Uh, yeah, I, I love Red Dwarf. Red Dwarf's great. Apart from that season and the season <laughs> nine, which was awful, and and ten wasn't that great. But there you go. Apart from that, it was brilliant. Ten? Did that was that? Did that come out very recently? Yeah, that's the eight part they did recently. They did three. They did a three part called, which was season nine, which was the one which we ended up on Coronation Street. Okay, so I, I've seen part. up to season nine. Then. Right. I, I don't believe I've seen ten then. Yeah, so ten was shown in the UK on a, on a satellite channel. Um, okay. about, about a year ago now. It's mm. yeah, they, they've aged. They've aged. It's, right. I, it, I I follow their Twitter accounts. Uh, well, a few of them. Yeah, it's it, it's worth watching. Um, but yeah, seven the the JFK one. So yeah, in that respect, um, in the in the JFK one, they go back and they change windows, don't they? they change floors, and it's about. Mm-hmm. I guess it's also time travel. You know, how, how many times can you go back to the same time period and change things? Uh, right. And yeah, it should be used for observation because they were going back to observe. The shooting, I think it was. Or they were going back to... No, they were going back to get a curry. That would have been it. Bizarrely. They went back to get a curry <laughs> and then ended up in the book depository in November 22nd, 1963, which leads into the episode. But yeah, um, again, changing the future. Change the future. Gotta die. Gotta die. Mm-hmm. There you go. So, <laughs> that was a t- Red Dwarf tangent. If you have Netflix, at least in America, you can watch up to season nine of of Red Dwarf, which I, I recommend if you haven't. And also recently on Netflix, uh, Star Trek Into Darkness is now on Netflix in America, mm-hmm. at least. Impressive. Impressive. Um, yeah, um, Into Darkness. Yeah, Into Darkness. 
Hang's head, nuds, size. That, that's why it's on, on Netflix. <laughs> oh, right. So nobody can watch it. <laughs> nobody can see it. See, that's uh, why a, 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 Trek, a Trek TV series will never end up on Netflix. It will not end up on Netflix. Everyone, if he says, I, I'm, you know, I, I have a lot of credit for the guys who do the Enterprise Season 5 campaign, you know, guys, mm-hmm. but there will never be a Trek program on Netflix. I'm now going to be torched and flamed by hundreds <laughs> of people, but it's going to be on a network. If they're going to do it, it will be on a major network because they want the audiences, because the it will just go, it will just skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Look at Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That was rubbish and people still watched it. Um, but there you go. There you go. So moving on uh, to our final section of the show, My Quantum State of Flux. So, Aaron, what, what has put you into a quantum state of flux this time? All right. So... Different stories in Star Trek require different approaches in order to make it a compelling story. There are times, however, this creates a contradiction with events established in episodes from other series. It could be a difference in computing power, uh, general power output, technical skill. Your guess is as good as mine. Uh, An example of this contradiction is when we compare the holographic consult program created in the TNG episode uh, Booby Trap and the Voyager episode uh, Nothing Human. In both cases, extremely large databases were introduced into a holographic representation of real people with personalities. Geordi was able to use voice commands in a relatively simple way to accomplish his goal of creating Dr. Brahms, while it took much more effort for Kim to create the Dr. Moset hologram. Did the older and larger Enterprise have more processing power than the smaller and younger Voyager? Perhaps. Would the episode have been the same if simple voice commands were able to create the medical consultant program? Probably. But having those technical hurdles added to the danger of the situation and did enhance the general story. Interesting. Yeah, I suppose that kind of covers the, the three time periods as well um, that we've talked about and the differences in technology and this the whole yeah. kind of uh, what they have in the future. But there's, a, there's an interesting point there you've got in the um, being able to use the holodeck to create a program very simply. I, all I'm going to say is schisms and table. <laughs> yeah. Make me a metal table. Oh, and it's changed the shape completely. It's something completely different. Yeah. Uh, wow. I mean, the computers, they, they make such a big jump in some of the episodes uh, mm-hmm. so that you have, at one point, they're really, really basic, and then they will do a massive leap in technology in the same episode sometimes uh, and try and explain it. And, and yeah, but there needs to be a bit of consistency. And it's, it's, I think that's in some regards that's where Enterprise failed because it was a prequel series and it was restrained mm-hmm. by what it could do. So right. I had to always use the shuttlecraft, but but they couldn't go to certain points. They couldn't use certain things that we would see in the original series and then later in the movies and, and later in, in uh, TNG, DS9 and Voyager. Voyager's bioneural gel packs, for example, oh. were conveniently kind of not forgotten, but they got sidelined quite nicely for right. a while, so we didn't really know about them. Uh, the Warp 5 um, speed limit from Force of Nature is mm-hmm. a great technology moment because that's why a reason one of the reasons apparently the Voyager folding the cells right to, right and mm-hmm. that got conveniently forgotten it, it and sometimes in Trek they do create something holographic communicator in DS9 right mm-hmm. brilliant example um, two episodes it's in it's in for the uniform and Dr. Bashir I presume 
never see it again, never mentioned, whatever. And sometimes they kind of get ahead of where they get go and right. try and do something really technical, and then it, it, it fails. And I think that's kind of, you're absolutely right that, that yeah, how can, maybe it shows the, the leap of technology between next gen and, and the time that Voyager is launched in the holographic character piece. Uh, I suppose, but I mean, the, and, uh, sorry, the Enterprise D hologram probably was just as advanced as a hologram created on Voyager, mm-hmm. but ah, but the Maset program in Nothing Human is that that's the Cardassian, isn't it? It's the Cardassian. Yes, it's the Cardassian. Yep. Yeah. So he, the medical program that we see in Voyager, the MH1 and the MH2 that we see in Message in a Bottle. Mm-hmm. Are specific programs that are designed for that ship. Right. So they're designed as a medical hologram to replace the doctor in case uh, he's incapacitated mm-hmm. from memory. Whereas the Doctor Maset program is something that specifically needs to be created for that occasion. So, right. and same with the Leah Brahms program. Mm-hmm. So they specifically create them to solve an issue. So they they have to. I guess that's why it's not as advanced as it would be in the medical hologram piece. Right. If right. That makes sense. Right. But yeah, I get it. I get it, and it's technology, and then it doesn't seem to. Have moved. It's really weird as well because it doesn't seem to have moved on that much between. If it makes the, the leaps and bounds that it does between Encounter of Farpoint and Caretaker, which are eight years apart mm-hmm. from memory, then why is there not such a big leap between the present time frame and the future time frame in all good things? Because technology hasn't moved on that much in that time frame. If you think true, about it. the most advanced. Uh, piece of technology that I think I saw was having a holographic fireplace. <laughs> it, that's all I can think about. I, I mean, Doctor Crusher's ship, the Pasteur, didn't look all didn't look terribly advanced compared to other ships that I've seen. No technology, that consistency there. It's, it's again that consistency, isn't it, in the technology and how it's quite consistent through the series. But when they try and do a nice big leap forward, then they kind of didn't quite. Just, just maybe get it right. There should have been some big, right. big leap. I mean, apart from having a big cannon on the Enterprise and putting a third engine on it, which kind of went mm-hmm. future. You know, might pull a big example <laughs> right. like that. Right. Yeah. Then they could have, there could have been other little bits in there. They could have shown to have, have shown how they developed. It was developed. They could have had holographic crew members, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, there could have been more sort of. And I suppose it's on a, it's budget, isn't it? It's TV budget. They right. would have had a finite amount of cash, but you could have had touch, you know, um, touch screens like they have on the JJ Enterprise. Mm-hmm. Sort of much more right. Our holographic, holographic uh, interface, minority report, things mm-hmm. like that, um, right. which they don't, which which would have been a, a big advance. That would probably have been stuff that would have been ready for twenty five years, I guess, in the future. But yeah, it's 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 budget constraints. And in right. the, it's what we were saying right at the beginning about why people choose to do the original series rather mm-hmm. than doing Deep Space Nine or or Voyager. Exactly, it's cheap to do. It. It's cheap to do it, and and they have to kind of put a budget on. <laughs> right. They can't just convey, let's just spend billions on this 88 minutes of 1994 TV. But yeah, mm-hmm. no, great point, great point, very good point. All right, well, that basically sums up our discussion on All Good Things and a couple of tangents, which is all, always welcomed here on the podcast. Thank you for joining me, Clive. It's been an absolute pleasure. I just for note, it is now 1.35 in the morning here in wow. the UK. Thank you for uh, pushing on with me. <laughs> Loved it. I've, I've really enjoyed it. I've been I've been waiting eighteen months to to do this. Um, yeah, we've been talking about it for it yeah. seems like forever. 
yeah. If the reaction is good, please let me back. If if everybody hates hearing my voice, <laughs> then I'm really sorry, and this will never be repeated. <laughs> uh, I'm sure. I'm sure this will be one of our better episodes. So, if we wanted to find you on the internet, how would we go about doing that? I would go to the FBI's most wanted page to begin with. Um, no, it's, it's I would if you go to www.scost.co.uk, that's the main Scost site, and you can go through our. We've got about 200, I think it's 210 articles we've got on there now. Wow. Yeah, we we've kind of gone stratospheric. We had um, a piece, so the piece, we've, the latest piece we've done on there. I would have been writing the piece on Axonar tonight, but I had other things to do. Uh-uh. So I didn't do that this evening, so I'm sorry <laughs> if anybody's waiting for the Axonar piece, because a couple of people I said, oh, I'm, I'm writing this at the moment. In fact, I said to Alec, I'll write this tonight, and I'll, I'll be on tonight. But it's not. So um, you can go onto the website, go onto the blog, uh, and have a look through stuff there. I'm on Google+, Plus, as uh, you said, Aaron, uh, on the Google+, Plus Star Trek community. I'm on Twitter as at Clybos79, but you can also follow... Um, some kind of Star Trek on Twitter, and you can find us on Facebook. We have a Facebook page, and you can find us on Tumblr, and you can find us on me on Instagram, and there's everything else. Uh, I'm probably just boring everybody now. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll uh, post all that in our show notes, actually, if, if you guys want to come and, and find Clive on the Internet. You can find me on Twitter, at Nova Charter. You can also find me on Star Trek Riza, at Nova Charter. Uh, you can find Clive on there as well. And, and join it. There's conversations going on all the time over there. Uh, I'm sure you'll like it. So until next time, I'm Aaron. And I'm Clive. And we'll see you later. You have been listening to the Starfleet Escape Podcast on the Four-Eyed Radio Network, where you can catch a new episode every other Monday. You can find us on the web at sfescapepod.com. Follow us on Twitter at SFEscapePod. Like us on Facebook.com slash SFEscapePod. And add us to your circle on Google Plus by going to google.sfescapepod.com. This has been another great presentation of the Four-Eyed Radio Network. You can catch more shows at foureyedradio.com.